Welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. You are now entering a spiz-free zone. No unicorns, no rainbows, no chiropractic fairy tales, just progressive talk for progressive chiropractors. So buckle up and get ready. We're moving the profession forward. And now, your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Okay, welcome everybody to Forward, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Podcast. By the time you hear this podcast, we're probably a couple days out, if not right before Forward, the first annual convention of the Forward Thinking uh, Chiropractic Alliance, June 1st through 3rd, Cleveland, Kansas City at uh, Cleveland Chiropractic College. Um, so by the time you get this, there's no more commercial to put forth uh, the show's already going on. There's probably some tickets still available if you're lucky. Um, and I have nothing else to promote commercial wise. Afterwards, you're going to hear from some of our sponsors because now the podcast does have some sponsorship, which will probably start after Forward KC. Uh, you can find out more about the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance at forwardthinkingchiro.com. It's a website that's chock full of information. We have a Facebook group forward-thinking chiropractic alliance that you can find on Facebook. But I got to tell you, uh, most people don't get in. It's kind of an exclusive group for whatever reason. Um, and to the members of the forward-thinking chiropractic alliance, I hope you've enjoyed these podcasts so far. My goal is to do 24 of them in a season. And I think this one with our guest today is going to come out as, as uh, interview number 20. And then afterwards, we're going to transcribe all that put all the key information into uh, something palatable for you, like an ebook or a small little, little book that you can print out and then uh, get it to you that way. So um, each person that you've heard on this podcast, we're going to encapsulate the greatest things that they've said, and they've all said amazing things. And then we're going to give that to you uh, in some way or form. My guest today, I've been waiting for this one for a long time is uh brandon Steele, dc and are you founder or co-founder what do you label yourself when it comes to cairo up legendary cairo up <laughs> i'm just a your, worker now. Your baby alone was it were you like did this show up to you uh in a vision before you fell asleep as a third year chiropractic student or is this a team effort you know this really is a <laughs> this is the dream that we all had in school um, I've just been fortunate enough to have a, uh, a guy I work with, Dr. Burlsman. Uh, between him and I, we just finally had the money enough to, to, to act on our dream um, of, of creating this program. Uh, as far as my title, uh, you know, it can be anywhere from maintenance to a, you know, yeah. fixing light bulbs to actually developing the program. So it kind of depends on what we need at that day. Yeah, you know, hopefully we do get into quite a bit of a business conversation today, but I think, um, you know, this podcast is typically aimed towards the younger chiropractor and even the student. And I think a lot of students um, and even and young chiropractors who haven't been business owners don't understand that you, you might have a fancy title, but you're still like unclogging toilets and making runs to FedEx Kinko's and, um, you know, hitting, making the Costco run and changing light bulbs and climbing ladders and stuff. That's a big part of it. It absolutely is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that once you read enough blogs and business books, you realize that, you know, as a doctor, you should be doing doctor things and paying people to do other things. But when you first get out of school, 
uh, that's you. You're, you're doing it all. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I was driving, I think I was taking my daughter to, uh, like a summer camp thing a couple of days ago and I drove by a Cairo's office and it was a standalone building and in a decent enough standalone building. And it had a nice little lawn, like a little tiny lawn in front of it, but it didn't look like anybody had mowed the lawn for six months. And the only, <laughs> the only thought process in my mind is like, dude, that's you. <laughs> like you need to get out and mow your damn lawn and pull some weeds, you know? Oh, it's, it's all about perception. Our biggest thing in our clinic, when we, uh, we bring another chiropractor, bring in another uh, employee is, you know, if 2020 came into your office right now, would you be proud of the way that your uh, desk looked? Or what about your carpet? You know, what about, is there dust on the, um, the, the, the baseboards? You know, what are the things that, uh, those things, those first impressions that people are seeing, that's, you know, your first impression with somebody is the first one to 10 seconds. You need to make sure it looks good. Yeah, it's hard to get that idea out to some people is the idea that uh, this is just this is all a first impression game. I mean, once someone is your patient, they really don't. They've already accepted all that stuff. Sure. Uh, I think they equate that in the dating game, too, for guys. They say, you know, when it comes to men, like a, a, a female has pretty much chosen to whatever you want to call it, date it or not, date you or not date you within the first 15 seconds. And I think customers or prospective patients are the same. They've already decided with you within the first couple seconds whether you're the right fit for them or not. Oh, absolutely. Well, we, you see that on a daily basis. And, and patients vote with their feet. Um, if they don't like what you said or how your office looks, your office policies, they're just not going to come back, especially right. in today's world where there's, there's so many options. They can get on their, their Google machine and, and find the next guy down the street. That's right. And they will rarely ever give you some sort of feedback like, you know, I'm leaving your office because you did this, this, and this. They're just gone. And you don't know. And you're yeah. like, oh, well, the people here love me. I must be a successful chiropractor, except you're bleeding people out the back end and you don't even, oh, that doesn't sound very cool. You're bleeding people <laughs> out and you don't even, uh, you don't even know where they went or what happened or what you said or what you did. You're just like, oh, the people I see, I'm doing pretty good. It's sort of like a churn rate. Like you gotta, you gotta figure out what your churn is for every new patient, which new patients are actually completing your, whatever you want to call it, your treatment plan. Um, but from what I understand or the way I've sort of rigged it up and in Cairo up can help me understand where and what's happening with my patients and what kind of results I'm getting. But um, from what, the way I've used Cairo up is like, there's the bait there. It's almost like there's different levels to it. So Cairo up has that basic level that everyone's sort of looking for on an ROF. I can get information about a condition and I can give it to the patient with exercises and I can say, look here, this is what you got. And this is what we're going to work on. Here's what we recommend. But there's a whole different sub level to Cairo up where you can start to track your own progress and track your efficiency and, and I'm really starting to get into that now. And I think on a long enough timeline, that's some very powerful stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I think you, you hit that a little bit earlier in the, the conversation. You said, how did Cairo up start? And it really was on a big piece of construction paper uh, when I was uh, really thinking to myself, you know, if I had a uh, million dollars, what would I do? And people think about the things they would buy and the, um, the, the vacations they would go on. And I instantly thought, you know, with three kids and, uh, you know, and a house and kids sports, I was like, I just would rather have more time. And, um, that's where Cairo came from. And my biggest problem in practice was just that the education and I think that techniques and, um, you know, different, um, you know, ways to treat patients and exercises and, 
And all those things are important, but I think that the biggest part of what I do, at least in my practice, is letting the patient know that I understand what's wrong with them, and then hopefully educating them so they know exactly what's wrong with them and, and how they're going to fix it. So that's really where ChiroUp came in, is that I, I had a really good idea on how to treat patients you know, with my uh, box of uh, tools that I have, and uh, I wanted to make sure that I could quickly, concisely give them that information um, that they could refer to on a, you know, from their email system or, or any kind of a login uh, process um, to make sure they know what was wrong with them and what I'm going to do to fix it. So that's really where ChiroUp came from as far as taking the evidence-based stuff and uh, making it uh, quick and concise for the doctor to review and then to give it to the patient. What I didn't expect um, was the ability for the customization. Uh, when we first came out, everybody said, well, I, I do something different. I do this, I do that. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, the, I talk about joint restrictions, and I call it adjustment, but you may call it manipulation. Um, so when Kairop was first uh, thought of, it was more of just a platform. You know, you plug in your own information. You plug in your own lay information, your own exercise. You make your own evaluations. But as many people understand it, that takes a lot of time. So we, we backfilled it with all that information. And then what we have found, though, which is so fun, is now that we're in with uh, several schools, um, that the students are just doing an amazing job. They're creating their own exercise, they're creating their own report findings, they're going to seminars and learning from those, those guys who are masters of their craft, and they're learning those tidbits of those exercises, those treatments, and they're plugging that into Cairo up, and they're creating their own virtual uh, knowledge bank of what they want to do with patients once they get out. And uh, that's the exciting part because, you know, you and I both know we have evidence-based information, um, you and I also know that that doesn't work on everybody, um, that you have to have evidence-informed um, you know, information as far as your experience and what you know works, and then you know, merging those things together um, to, uh, to, to get the best possible patient care. And then the cool part is that we survey our patients, and uh, 30 days later, we start to get an understanding of how well did that patient like their care, what percent better are they, and then we can um, uh, to take their results and to match those against the other 500 providers that we're measuring and to say where you fit at the end of the year we go through and see who's the best person per provider or per condition and then we have them teach us a webinar on what they do differently and uh we kind of kind of merge everything in together yeah and i think that's the big deal or that's the big idea is um everyone thinks they get great results but this is a program that can sort of quantify that in a way that's interesting to me it's like, okay, you say you get good results. Let's, let's see where you're at on Cairo up. Oh, you're 56. <laughs> there was a thing that, um, when I went to a Parker seminars, I was listening to Brett Winchester talk. And, uh, are you, a, are you a familiar with Brett or? <laughs> yes. I've spent some time with Brett. Um, yeah, are, so you, I, are you I, an MPI guy as well? Yeah. So he was my instructor at Logan. Um, uh, he actually got me my first uh, residency with uh, Clayton Skaggs over at uh, the Central Institute of Human Performance in St. Louis. Uh, yeah. Brett. Who uh, Stu Brett. McGill says is the greatest clinician in North America. Uh, yeah. You know, I was actually at the seminar that we were in um, uh, Naples. And uh, so, yeah, Brett Winchester there. Uh, you've got uh, Pavel. Uh, you've got McGill. Um, who was the other guy who was there? Um, I forgot. Uh, Pavel <laughs> Kolosh was there? Was yeah, he, there? he was. Yep. yep. And uh, so we're all, I just get in and uh, they're all at the house already. And um, I got in late that night. There was a snowstorm in St. Louis. 
and I get to the place where I get my car and they said, what, what do you want? And I was like, well, I'm in Florida. Give me a convertible. And they gave me a purple convertible Mitsubishi Eclipse. Nice Prince. So Prince I've got power generation. <laughs> I've got the, the leaders, the, my, my heroes <laughs> in the entire profession. And I'm pulling up to the house in a purple Eclipse. And uh, no, th those guys are just tremendous. Uh, you know, I think that we talked a little earlier about masters and, and the gurus. And those are the people who are, are leading the profession in a whole different direction um, that, that is patient-centric and, and evidence-based. And, and, uh, and Brett's been, why, and I've, I've told him this a million times, and, and definitely Mark King with MPI. Uh, they're the reason I'm still in this profession. Otherwise, I would have left a long time ago and try one or try two. Um, more students can hear the NPI message, uh, which is not selling them on anything. It's just pure good information on how to run a, a clean clinic. Yeah, they, um, I, I don't feel like they have as much of an effect out here on the West Coast. Um, when, you, when you hear people or you see the glow in their eyes when the, the name MPI comes up, it's just from what I remember, and I'm, I'm quite removed from school, but what I remember it was just another thing you did. It was another uh, course or technique you could take but when you talk to someone who's gone to logan or somewhere in the midwest like say national or uh, cleveland and you talk about mpi it's for the people who are into it it's everything and, and um it's it's something that they can really latch onto, almost like a philosophy on its own and uh, one thing that i noticed from brett when i saw him talking at parker was that he, he kept mentioning, like, if you want to be one of the best adjusters in the world, one of the top ranked, he, I think he used ranked, it was competitive, it was competitive for him. And I'm sitting in the crowd, like, how could you even possibly rank best adjuster in the world? And how could you ever rank or quantify who delivers the best adjustment? Because it's all subjective. And then I'm like, oh, well, you know, with Cairo up, there's definitely some objectivity going on where you can start to rank people's results and say, all right, who's really putting in the proof in the pudding and who's getting the results that they claim that they're getting and who's just saying, well, I get really good results with everybody with my, whatever they do, you know? Yeah. And that's tough to quantify. And, uh, and like I said, I think the world of Brett, but I've, I've seen Brett treat. And, and the, the one thing that I learned from him, um, was that, that, you know, if you load people down with information and things they can't understand, and especially with a DNS provider um, who, who, who would, uh, a normal person performing DNS would talk above the level of the patient, he doesn't say a word. You know, he's talking about playing baseball and, uh, you know, and farming. Um, so he's, he, he talks about the things that matter to that patient and then does what, what he's supposed to do. Yeah, um, this so, is, yeah. Yeah, and he, he would probably be the first one to, to let you know that it, it's all about... Uh, you know, touching the area um, that, that they think hurts and then actually going about solving the problem on your own. Yeah, the, the recipe for success in this business is actually pretty simplistic when it comes to practice, like like the, the clinical side of things. I mean, yes, you got to know your stuff, but okay, so let's say you know your stuff. You know how to diagnose. Um, you understand your differentials. Let's put that in a different bucket and let's say, okay, now you're seeing patients. How do you, how do you become successful seeing patients? It's actually quite simple. Uh, have a nice presentable place for people to come to that's accessible. Uh, that whole uh, 2020 Disney CNN sort of experience. If people walk in, they shouldn't turn around and want to walk right back out. Next, um, how about you touch where they uh, address their complaint? 
let them know that you know what's going on and that you know how to fix it and then come up with a plan together as a team to fix it. And that should be about it. Now, of course, there's all the other parts. There's the getting somebody to actually pay for it. And uh, the biggest challenge that everyone seems to be coming up with, which is how to get more new people inside their doors. Those are different challenges, but playing the game of um, how do I take care of people? That's probably the easiest part a chiropractor has to contend with. You know, I, I, and that's how I came out of school. Um, and I was fortunate, like I, like I said, to have a residency. Um, I was practicing at a facility that was just amazing, 10,000 square feet. We had strength training. We were treating the Cardinals, the Rams. Um, I was in a dream position and still found it very difficult um, to build my practice and build my name. And, and of course, with powerhouse names around me, it was difficult to stand out. Um, but one thing I would add to that is what, and that's really where I kind of built my practice where I am now, is to, uh, to get those great results, to, to be, have that 2020 experience. But then the most important part about building your practice is to educate, or not to educate, but to let those people know, uh, let the people who matter uh, in your community know what you do and your successes. I find that so many people market their techniques and their, their letters behind their name and, and go to those seminars. And those are, those are all great. Um, but people just want to know that if they have plantar fasciitis, that you can help them. And if you do help them with plantar fasciitis, you have to make sure that they know, their neighbors know, their family knows, um, their medical doctor knows what you did. And it's not they went to a chiropractor and got better. It's that they went to a chiropractor in six visits. They were 95% better. And, uh, and, and see you later. I hope this never comes back again. If it does, you know where to find me. And um, those are, that's the kind of system that you have to have in place that you have to have MD initial and release reports. You have to have a way of getting Google reviews. You have to have a way of educating your patients in a, a clean, ethical way that, uh, you know, if, if your mom saw the same stuff, that you'd be proud to give her that patient education uh, and, and they, could, they could see your, your style and your way of, of retaining patients is you know, purely in, in the, uh, the best interest of the patient. Um, but those, those people who can do that, who can get those excellent clinical results and can um, uh, quickly educate the, the community and Google and, and their medical doctor about the results they got, those are the clinics that just keep on growing, even in the young practitioners who are setting up those clinics now. Yeah, it's almost like uh, if you go back to the thought, there's different, there's different ways to plug and play different aspects of, of practice. So we know... Um, you've got to plug and play the sort of the functions of running a practice, actually making people feel better. You've got to plug and play this, uh, this marketing aspect. You've got to plug and play business management. And uh, you could even break that down further and say, you've got to learn how to plug and play uh, managing your taxes appropriately. Um, and then you've got to plug and play how to be a, a person as well. Um, because people do look at their quote unquote doctors. If you even consider yourself a doctor or not, you should, and you should understand that people look for, and they want somebody that they can look up to as a leader in their community. Um, so a system for plugging and playing that. And, and it, once you take all these systems and you, you start to master them, or you at least are competent in as many of them as possible, uh, things really start to happen for you. Oh, absolutely. But, and I agree with that. Not How that many people can, don't, don't get me yeah. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because well, what we see here is we see students and I love students, but I think students think that if they take a whole bunch of these classes, you know, they take, uh, you know, 
XYZ technique and they take level one, two, and three, and then they take ABC technique and they take level one, two, and three, that they're going to come out and be successful doctors. And it's like, no, I think you're going to know a lot of stuff, but you might have, you might be so technique laden that you have no idea how to actually help people, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, did you start your own practice coming straight out of school or were you more of an associate or independent? Contractor? I was an associate for about a year. Um, actually, you're exactly. And then I moved on into the independent contractor and owning my own business world. Yeah. Yeah. So I did, I did the same thing. And, you know, even right now, if I had to come out and start my own business again, Oh my, it would just be a, it'd be a hustle again. Um, I think that you can't be great at all those things. And I think that, you know, just like, you know, that you, you get an accountant, uh, you get a, a marketing, uh, you know, software, you get a marketing company, uh, you get staff that, you know, does the, uh, the, the other stuff that's non-essential. And that's probably the hardest part is defining who's great at all those different aspects and yeah. plugging them into your team. You know, and that's how you, you build a successful business. Yeah, I'm doing it again. I'm starting over again recently and um, it is a hustle but through experience and then, and then understanding how to, to sort of use these teams. Like I, I have a good accountant. I didn't have to go find one this time around and I have a good uh, resource for marketing. So I didn't have to go and find that this time around. So I have all these tools in place, but still when you wake up in the morning, it's like, it's go time. You have to hustle until you build that, that thing. Now, on the opposite end, I see the other problem with other chiropractors who have sort of made a practice that is comfortable, if you want to use that word, because that's what I see. I see guys pushing and pushing and pushing because of the pain of whatever you want to call it, failure or not being there yet. They get to a point where they're there and then they stop. They don't want to change a thing. They're like, don't change anything because I'm <laughs> finally here. And they stop taking risks. They stop uh, exploring new ways to learn. They stop exploring new ways to market. They stop meeting new people. They're like, well, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, just by being here, I get enough referrals and enough new patients that I can keep this thing afloat. And it's like, that's another painful aspect that you got to realize as a, as a young Cairo is like the, the grind doesn't ever end. It just changes. Oh, absolutely. The only constant in your practice should be change. Um, you should be yeah. constantly looking at um, ways to improve both clinically and, and business. I think clinically is uh, unfortunately one of those things that get mixed up with the, uh, you know, the business hand, the clinical hand. You always have to make decisions based on your, your patients and, and to build that clinical hand. But, but don't forget about your business hand. You still have to make money. Um, otherwise, uh, you, you can forget about your, your clinical mastery. It, it doesn't matter if you're out of business. Yeah, um, I, yeah totally. Yeah. So I think that uh, doing those kind of things is, is great. You know, one, one thing that you said is, uh, you know, turning everything, all these podcasts into uh, a text format. And, uh, and interestingly, I'm reading uh, Tim Ferriss's book, uh, Tools of Titans. I don't know if you've, you've read that. Uh -huh. uh, that's where, yeah, that's where the idea comes from. I'll give to Tim yeah. some credit. <laughs> I'm sure he'll do the same for you too. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's the kind of stuff is you have to continually seek out people who are smarter than you or doing something different than you and uh, to learn from those people, find, find the people who have what you want and, uh, and go learn from them. They're not going to be perfect mirrors of, of exactly what you want, but you know, if you can uh, have a, a different answer way of answering your phones to a different, um, you know, a way of, uh, you know, discharging patients, the more you can learn from people, uh, especially in our profession, uh, the more successful you'll be in the long run. Absolutely. Well, I think young people need to understand that the perfect, whatever. So the perfect chiropractor, the perfect husband, the perfect 
uh, the perfect practice owner to hire you as an associate. Like it, it's an ideal. It doesn't exist. There is no perfect out there at all. Um, you have to be able to bridge those gaps and, and make the best of what you see and what you get. Both of us are podcasting out of our basement. Wouldn't the perfect thing to be at on the 30th floor of the biggest building in your town or something? <laughs> that would be nice. You know, and at least, but at least we're not in our mom's basement. You know, oh, I am. there, there <laughs> are basements. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, if you, if you get locked in on this ideal of the ideal thing, you, you're going to miss a lot of opportunity along the way. Um, you see that in the commercial real estate side of things and maybe even in the house hunting side of things, like I want the perfect property and you miss some really good ones along the way. Or, uh, I want, I, I, I know I, Brett Winchester is in my mind as the most perfect clinician on the planet or Clayton Skaggs or Stu. And I want to be just like him. And you're going to miss so many opportunities to help or do so many good things. If you get stuck on ideals versus what you have in front of you. So a lot of these things are, um, sort of like rules for life. And I think that's a big rule for life is, is seek out people who are better than you to raise your ideal of what you can do for yourself. But don't, don't, you're always going to meet someone who's better than you, no matter where you go. Yes, absolutely. But the reason they got to that point was not because of um, some uh, crazy genetic defect or they're smarter than you. It's because they have systems um, and it yeah. could be clinical or business uh, that they adhere to. You know, one of the things that I do when I first wake up in the morning is I've got 10 things uh, that I have to write down. And, and the most important ones are the, what's my, what's my 80, 20, what's the thing that if I can get done today is going to make the biggest impact, um, you know, for, for both of my businesses. And then also, uh, you know, three goals for the family. And uh, if you can just take 20 minutes and to actually outline what really matters, um, it's just amazing the things that you can get accomplished. Uh, this, this profession will suck it out of you, um, especially if you're just treating patients. Uh, not that I don't, I don't mean to downplay, you know, the treating patients part of it, but, you know, unfortunately, the way we make money is by patient care. Um, so if you continue to see more and more patients, eventually you're going to reach a point where it's, that's your entire life. You know, if, if you've been in practice for 10 years, you know, there's an unlimited supply of patients. It depends on how many hours you want to work. And, uh, but if you let that, you know, kind of run your life, then it's going to uh, start to bleed over into those other aspects. So instead of, uh, you know, getting better at what you do, just have systems to take over those things where you don't need to be present. Yeah. In our networking group, we call it a, a daily big three. At least you have to put down three things that if you can accomplish that day, you'll know you've made a difference in your day. Yeah. Um, my, my little presentation at Forward KC is about uh, Jordan Peterson's book, The 12 Rules for Life. And mm -hmm. I'm going to break them down for uh, in more like the 10 rules for chiropractic life. And one of those rules is like, uh, uh, you know, is this thing of being better today than you were yesterday, you know? Not, Absolutely. Not, not be or not consuming yourself with, uh, pay attention to who you are tomorrow and try to improve that instead of comparing yourself to somebody else as they were yesterday. It's something like that. And it's like, you have to, you have to have your own set of metrics and your own set of goals and your own set of important things and base your, your pro, your productivity or your, your behavior on, on your own metrics versus comparing them to somebody else's metrics. Like I would love to have Kim Kardashian's skin or something, you know, 
but that's not. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's not my skin. What about my skin? What can I do to improve my skin and not compare it to anybody else's? At least that was, I was there, right? I was professional. There are other, <laughs> other body parts you can name there. But, but that's the deal, right? Is like you, you, can't, you can't go looking out. I mean, you can look out for examples. And you can be like, you know, I can look out and I can see uh, you. I can see when, all these Logan guys, it seems like, uh-oh. Um, I can look out and I can see what I would like to be. And then I can try to model myself after it. And then I can pursue those guys doggedly to understand how they got to where they got. But at the end of the day, I am still me and I need to compare myself to me, not to them. And have realistic goals. Um, you know, when I first started practice, you know, when you, you hit uh, $5,000 in collection, then 10,000, then, you know, whatever it may rise to, um, you'll, you'll hit that point where it's just never enough. And you, you think, well, if I just worked a little bit more, I can, I can make more money or I can see more patients. Um, but having those goals, I think, is, is the key. Uh, so you know what was successful. So you're never left with, uh, I should have done more. Or I should have done this. And uh, th- th- there needs to be that in your business model. But also there has to be a uh, period where you look back and say, you know what? That was a good month. Um, I did everything I was supposed to do and I met my goals because otherwise it's just a rat race of, you know, how many patients you can see and how much money you can make. And, and that gets old pretty fast. Yeah. There's not much gratitude in that system. And that's, that's usually the period at the end of a sentence of anything you do is a, a period where you stop and, and you express gratitude for what you do have. Even if you are unsuccessful as a chiropractor or you're just a chiropractic student at this point, you still have to have gratitude because you're still in that, uh, you know, like 1% of the whole world, <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not, di- you're not di- uh, mining for diamonds in the Congo or something like that, you know? Um, sure. Sure. You know, you're not in this uh, Israeli Palestinian uh, turf war, you know, there, there aren't people gassing your communities. You, you've got to have gratitude that uh, it doesn't even matter where you're at at this point. Uh, just if you're being a good person in your community and making a good difference, then you're doing better than 90% of the entire planet. So have some, have some gratitude at the end of everything. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, as far as taking that, you know, being a good person and obviously putting your, you know, your patients first and running a good ethical practice, you know, just out of curiosity about, you know, you talk to a lot of uh, influential people. Um, what are the things coming out right now um, as far as in the next year, next two years, that's going to get our utilization rates up, you know, who are the people, what are the organizations, what are the schools, right now that people can latch to, especially in a student population and say, you know what, I'm going to follow that group. You know, that, that group can get us, you know, towards our mission. You know, and, and I was just in Canada a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, um, and I was very encouraged with their state association or their country association. Uh, they have one direction, they have one mission, they have one voice and either you're on the bus or you're not, you know, do we have that here or do we have those people here? No, I think, I was thinking about this the other day. So um, there's definitely demand within the FTCA to, to sort of put on adjusting camps. I don't even know what you'd call them. In my mind is like, if somebody does that better, why not just refer to them, which is, should be a chiropractic idea anyways. You know, if your patient comes in complaining of something that's an orthopedic problem, why not refer to an orthopedist? So why wouldn't I refer adjusting to MPI since they handle it better than you could possibly imagine? Um, and then I started to think, you know, so MPI ha- operates on a somewhat of a philosophical basis in that it 
tries to teach young practitioners how to behave within the profession. And then we've got the American Chiropractic Association that does this. And then we've got the International Chiropractic Association that does this. And then the IFCO does this. And then this organization does this and this and this and this. And it's like all of that power, whatever organization, whatever power that one organization holds, takes away the power that we have collectively um, to get anything done. So it's like, it's almost like a battle. It's a hierarchy battle, you know, like I, I can imagine at some point the ACA existed, whatever it was called at that point, And the ICA existed and the ACA was doing whatever it could. And there were some people within that hierarchy that just couldn't ascend to the power they wanted. So they started their own organization. And then there are now two organizations and then you couldn't ascend in the hierarchy there. And then there's three organizations and four. It's, it's more endemic to the American style of chiropractic or the American roots of chiropractic than it is anything else in that there are a lot of us and we have to be very honest about this. Chiropractic in America is not a get in line and get this job done type of profession. It's a, I need to be known as the best of what I do type of profession. It's a like, if I'm a clinician in a town, I want to be known as the best clinician in the town. Um, if, if my patient leaves, I'm going to be very angry about how, why did my patient leave me when I'm the best? If I start an organization, it's got to be the best. And it's rooted in this older 1800s idea, the age of discovery, when, when a man or a woman discovered something, they got to put their name on it. You know, Mr. Jones, discoverer of concrete. You know, or Steve Johnson, discoverer of uh, apple cider, you know, Dee Dee Palmer, discoverer of chiropractic, Alexander Graham Bell, discoverer of a whole bunch of stuff. But everyone got to put this name discoverer on, on what they were doing. And chiropractic is still sort of got ruminants of that, of like, I'm going to go out, I'm going to be an individual. I'm going to dominate my whatever sphere of influence on my own and I'm going to get to claim that I, I'm going to put my flag at the top of the mountain and say that I did it. It's my thing. But the world is slowly starting to not operate like that at all. The world wants collaboration. The world wants the best to have their foot forward. Um, the best, the people want the best from everything from, from uh, their, their, you know, it's not like, you, you know, with your iPhone, um, the president of Apple could have taken all the credit, but we know the engineers had a huge part of it. The designers had a huge part of it. It was a team effort. You know, people, they don't want the best person anymore. They want the best product or the best thing available. So for me, what I see is more endemic to uh, American chiropractic in general. Now, the problem with that is Canada does an excellent job. Uh, with organi organizing how they go. Uh, Australia used to have different state organizations and they have like five or six different states in Australia. They've made the step to combine into one and they're going through some growing pains right now from what I understand, but eventually it'll be one voice like Canada does and that'll be great. These other countries uh, in the UK and so on, the ones that do have one voice, they tend to do a little bit better. Um, but in America, that is that just hasn't been our way of going. It's been like, if, if I don't, and, and I'm guilty too. I've started the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. I, I wouldn't say for my own self-edification, but because I wasn't pleased with what I saw in other groups. And I said, there, there's a, a way to 
get this voice out better um, by starting a different group instead of fighting through some other group, which is uh, an un ungodly pain in the ass. <laughs> no, I, I see the same thing. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited, you know, for obviously the, the seminar, I'm, I'm excited to talk to people and, you know, to, to sit there and uh, you know, discuss where we see things going because uh, I'm one of those people similar to yourself that I, I don't like being told no. Uh, I don't like um, when someone says, oh, you're, I thought you were a doctor. I didn't know you were a chiropractor. Um, and to get that message out there. And I think that, you know, one thing that I try to focus on um, as far as to move this profession forward is to focus on the positive. I, um, I was always told that, you know, certain schools had different mindsets and uh, if you were this kind of doctor or that kind of doctor, you uh, were good or or bad. And uh, I'm, I tell you what, I, I spent a lot of time in colleges in the last uh, probably six months to a year, and there are certain schools that are making huge strides uh, to to do what's right, um, to look at the evidence, to say, okay, we should be doing this, this, and this. Uh, we should not be teaching this or that. Um, and they're they're taking uh, big strides. Uh, Cleveland's one of them. And, you know, their students uh, have to look at the research that they before uh, making any kind of a recommendation in a uh, student clinic and an outpatient clinic. They have to look at the evidence and then explain, you know, what they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, and I've just been, you know, Life West is another one. They're, they're also using Cairo up. And I've been um, just blown away with the, uh, the ability of all these schools to, to cross barriers and to understand that, you know what, um, we need to move forward. We need to look at the what's working and what's not and take a rational approach at our education um, to, to hopefully uh, become more aligned because there's always going to be you know, differences per school and differences per clinician. But as long as we're all patient-centric and we can have a little rationale, we can hopefully get to a point where we can have one voice um, in, in the U.S. And I do think that's realistic. I think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be from us, though. I don't think it's going to be chiropractors all banding together and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. That, that, that's just not going to happen. No, I think um, it's going to be like California in the way that they had the Department of Consumer Affairs to say, we're doing this now, whether you like it or not. Exactly. We had the same thing happen in Illinois. Um, there's certain insurance companies that say, you know what, we're just going to stop paying for a lot of this other stuff. Um, and uh, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of their board. And, and I also work with another college where I hear different things come down the line. And it's not going to be us that divides the profession. Uh, we're already divided enough. It's going to be the, the forces, the, the carrot at the end of the, the table that says, okay, to get paid, here's what you're going to have to do. And, and they're already doing that with uh, ACOs and patient-centered medical homes to say that, you know yeah. what, if you get good results per condition, you're going to get paid more. And if you want to drag out a treatment plan to 73 visits, you're just going to get paid a whole lot less uh, to a point that you just can't be in practice anymore. Right. No. And, and that, I mean, they already did it once. They did it with managed care. I mean, people were dragged kicking and screaming into that system and then they got with it. Sort of, <laughs> sort of, you know, and it's like you, you either will or you won't and you'll suffer if you don't. Um, and that's, you know, none of this stuff, you, you mentioned the colleges, the colleges are good. Like they, they do a good job. They produce a product. 90% of the colleges you have, I have no fault with the colleges whatsoever. And it's not, it's, it's not the college itself. It's who they allow onto their campuses or yes. who they allow to purchase students pizza right off the campus, which they probably don't have much control over. And I get, and it's the sort of like the old, 
clinical sciences professor that's going to teach the right thing for 50 minutes of the class and then give you his opinion about the way things used to be for the last 10 minutes. And these, these students, they look up to these professors because they know they're the, 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 the thing that they get all of their information from are these professors. In 50 minutes, they say, here's your stuff to pass the boards. And now in the last 10 minutes, let me show you how it really is. It's called the green books. <laughs> you'll never be successful if you don't understand Stevenson. And, you know, it's like you got to the schools, I think, do a great job. And I'd probably give them an A. B, 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 B plus A. I think so. <clears throat> there's, there's just some things that are completely out of their control. And things you can't control are, are other people's ideologies and what happens outside of your sphere. And if uh, a certain company is going to have pizza off campus, you can't do anything about that. But um, I suppose you can always say, oh, I heard you guys all went to pizza off campus last night. Well, let's have some pizza on campus and talk about it. Things like that. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great to have, obviously, um, especially with those people in, in leadership roles um, to, to show people what, what actually happens as compared to, uh, unfortunately, a lot of companies that blow a lot of smoke. <laughs> and, I, and I don't want to slam any administrators that are trying to put on a college program. I'm sure that's not easy. Um, and I have no idea how to do your job, but if you'd like me to come watch you do your job, I would love to do that and, uh, and be impressed because I'm sure it's not easy. Um, just like my job's not easy and you're not doing it either. <laughs> uh, when it comes to forward KC, you've got two moments in the sun. You've got two moments on the stage. One of them is short. It's a Ted talk and the other one's a longer lecture. It's, it's technically it's three moments in the sun because you're going to do your lecture twice, I believe. Yes. Um, what are you going to talk about? What's going on on the shorter on the Ted talk? Cause Ted talk <laughs> I have, I've given any of these talks. I have not told you guys. I have not. Um, people think I rule this thing with an iron fist. I just told you guys, thank you for coming. And what do you want to talk about? You know, that was the best part is you asked me to do TED Talk, but never asked me what I was going to talk about. And uh, I got, you know, I, I do a lot of talks and, and usually in the 12 to, to 14 hour range. And uh, I was like, <laughs> I can talk about anything. Right. And then, uh, you know, I love clinical stuff. I love business stuff. I, I, I really am passionate about those things. Uh, I'm not going to talk about any of those things in my TED Talk. Um, so that's kind of the fun part. Um, not that I want to have a tease or anything, but I'm going to talk about why I'm excited um, to, to be where I'm at. And um, I've been fortunate enough in the last couple of years to, to talk with some, some more influential people. And I want to explain why they're excited um, about uh, some different programs and different things that are happening in chiropractic. And then, um, and then kind of lead into uh, things that people can do right now to, uh, to make a difference. Because, you know, I look at Ford thinking, you know, uh, group and I look at uh, factor group and I look at the MPI group and I look at all these different people and they have a very similar mindset and they, they can be a different technique or a different school. None of, none of that really matters. Um, but what I'm excited about is how we're all going to come together in the next couple of years and we're going to, uh, uh, we're going to rule the world. Uh, we're going to, we're going to really change healthcare on, on how it's, how it's operating. And I think if we have some smart people at the helms, um, and I think the ACA is making some great strides for that. I would, I would jockey for, I, I would advertise the, the heck out of them. I think they're, they're making the right moves. Um, and, uh, I think, that's going to be a, a good talk and I'm actually excited for it. I've never really rehearsed a talk before uh, besides this one. Um, I, I normally talk off the cuff with the slides, you know, going 
Uh, this is uh, the first talk to, to get us some couple powerful points across. Um, as, as far as the other talk, that's going to be actually um, more centered on uh, research. Um, so how does a research article, uh, when it gets published or even before it gets published, uh, how can that influence a provider? Meaning how can you get that new, that new exercise, that new patient education, that new ADL, that new what have you, that new piece of information um, from, from research? And then how can you take that and instantly turn it into patient care? Um, how can you turn that into a Facebook post? How can you turn that into uh, a new exercise for your patients? And how to take, uh, obviously, uh, the new best information from research or from a seminar or from, um, you know, like you said, talking with an influential uh, person in our, in our profession and to make your, your, your practice better and to get more Google reviews, to get more uh, influence in a hospital system and, uh, and find ways to um, you know, find a system to, to, to make sure that um, you're doing doctor things and uh, you've got people in place or systems in place to do everything else uh, so you can keep your job fun. It's perfect. It's, it, you know, I, I don't have to babysit you. <laughs> it's like you are a consummate professional. I knew that no matter what, you were going to bring it, whatever it is. And the way the TED Talk turned out, that's exactly how I'd want it to be is for people to talk about something they want to talk about that they wouldn't normally get a chance to talk about and, and explore those thoughts on a stage. Um, and, and almost like a open mic night, we're going to kind of see how the crowd responds to this stuff. Because from what I see of a lot of the lecturers themselves, there aren't a whole lot, even though there are, because there are, if you count me, there's 13 presenters on Friday <clears throat> that go for up to 15 minutes each. There aren't a whole lot of clinical topics studied or, or addressed on that day, but there are definitely clinical, uh, clinical clinicians that will be talking that day. So now you're getting somebody who usually doesn't go into the realm of, uh, we, we don't want to go metaphysical, but maybe pushing that line and, and talking about what it means to be a chiropractor, what it means to be an evidence-based chiropractor, what it means to be focused on the future, um, these these evidence-based sort of seminars don't get that that's usually the tent revival type stuff you see at a more of a straight convention is like the majority of their content is is this but i want this to be a small piece of what we do <clears throat> over a bigger convention is say we are excited to be chiropractors the future looks bright there are things that we can do to be better Here's what I've discovered in my life or with my experiences and let's all be grateful and be happy for what we're, what we've got. <clears throat> Absolutely. Which, quite frankly, the forward thinking chiropractic Alliance needs a little bit of that um, because there's been a lot of sour grapes in there for years now. Um, and, and our, my goal or my job is to turn those sour grapes into some delicious wine at some point. <laughs> That would be uh, that'd be, that'd be a, a good task uh, as far as turning some negativity on, on social media, not saying the Facebook group, but any kind of social media. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. No, totally. Like if, you, <laughs> like if you met mostly, and that's another part for the forward thinking chiropractic convention is like, if you meet these people in person, you're going to be like, oh, that's a pretty cool cat. Or that person's really nice. You know, but online, there's, they sure are a jerk. Well, social media brings out like the worst of everybody. And it's, it's yes. mostly, it's the part that's bothered me the most is that I've, I've had to be the PE teacher of all this crap. And it makes me look like a complete asshole when I'm probably the nicest at all of you. 
it's like but i've had to rule that thing with such a hard fist that everyone's like you're that guy bobby maybe is an asshole no i'm not <laughs> no i'm not my dog loves me my children love me i think my wife likes me you know it's just like i love patience i hand out hugs i try to smile as much as i can yes some of you people annoy me i'll be honest but social media brings out the worst in people and we're trying to do something positive with it and it's not easy i think we'll get there or we might not, I don't know. But um, one way to get there is just to not not confine ourselves to what we're doing on social media. So this is a good start. Um, I wanted to ask you specifically about Cairo Up, just because <clears throat> I think some of the users, what is the best way for a user? So say someone's, someone through the grapevine heard you have to have Cairo Up. It's such a great program. It's, it's a fixture in your practice you have to have. Go sign up for it right now. Like, what is the best way for someone who's completely blind to the process to use Cairo up in, in the best ways possible, kind of like out the gates, like maybe a beginner as a beginner and maybe as an intermediate, what are the best ways to utilize the program? Well, I think the best way is, especially this being more of a student-centered uh, you know, podcast, is it's free for students. It's free for faculties. It's free for colleges. Um, so start using it then. It, it doesn't cost any money. Um, that, that's probably the, the biggest way is you can build your profile. You can put in all your stuff that you want to you know, start practice with, and um, that, that, that'd be the number one thing. Um, but after that, uh, we have a free trial. So if you go to chiro.com and and do a free trial. You get two weeks. There's there's no credit card, no commitment, no anything. Um, and then uh, Becky is our, uh, our support specialist. She walks you through the whole program. Uh, there is not a pressure to buy. Um, this is one of those services that was you know literally created by chiropractors. We are not here to tell you it's for everybody. In fact, um, at seminars, I'll tell people, you know what, this isn't for you. Um, but for the people who do practice in an evidence-based manner. Uh, who do use uh, soft tissue and do use rehab and do use evidence base. They want to keep up to date. Um, like I said, they want to get Google reviews and do MD initial reports and release reports and not take any more time out of their day. You know, it's already done for them. Um, then that's a service that's going to save them time. Uh, and signing up for a free trial and, and taking a, a look around for, you know, no, no risk is probably the number one way. But if anybody is going to sign up, they need to understand what the program does. Um, and it's all hands off, but the program does it for you. That's why the, the information, the content, it's all out there. We work with students. We know every student has you know, stolen it and done everything else with it and is going to use you know, different printouts. That's not the value. The value is um, when you actually use it and you put in a patient's name and their condition, it does all these things for you and will continue to do things for you. Uh, with uh, without you having to do anything. So you want to understand that. You want to make sure that you understand what the program does and how it surveys your patients um, so you can start to, to understand the, the value. People always are concerned about ROI. Why I pay this much money and um, you know, what kind of money do I get out of it? There is uh, no measurable ROI because uh, patient satisfaction is, is hard to measure. Um, but getting Google reviews and MD reports um, and the whole MD marketing program that we do um, you know, for my personal practice, um, you know, I get hundreds of, of MD referrals, but it's, it's not based on a, uh, a simple, you sign up for a program. It takes work. It, it takes, right. you know, understanding how to do those things. It takes getting into offices. There's no program and there's no, you know, Cairo included that's going to, you buy this and it does these magical things for your practice. Uh, you have to actually understand how to use it and, and understand, um, you know, how to make it function in your office. So, 
you know, signing up for a trial is great. You know, I, I recommend doing that, but hopping on a call with Becky, it'll take you 15 minutes. You'll understand the ins and outs and you'll understand that if there's something that you want to accomplish in your practice, whether it's business uh, systems, whether it's rehab, whether it's soft tissue, all of it's in there. Uh, you'll learn a whole lot and, and hopefully it provides value. Uh, and if it doesn't, it's a software as a service. Um, so if you, if you don't like it, you just cancel it and it doesn't, we don't charge right. anymore. Uh, it's one of those things that if we don't give you value on a monthly basis, you cancel and try something else. Um, but with that being said, anybody who uses the program and prescribes uh, over 10 condition reports, uh, our churn rate is less than 3%, meaning uh, people just, uh, when they, if they do use it, they're going to use it and they're going to find the value. That's right. People who don't use it, it's great. You know, it's not for you. Find something else. Yeah. And for those people who understand computer ease, 3% is pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, we, I, I'm part of a, an SAS, a, a software service company um, meeting in downtown St. Louis. And when people hear about our, uh, our, our churn rates and our conversion rates, they're, they're just shocked. And, and it has nothing to do with the program. You know, personally, I think the program's great, but it's really about selecting the people who are using it. Um, right. If I walk up to a seminar and someone has a, you know, some put their crystals down next to me in a, a pocket full of vitamins and they are talking about uh, going to some American Ninja Warrior conference. Uh, we learned about chiropractic. Um, they're not a, a person for us. Um, someone who's interested in patient care and, and understands how, what their time is worth is, is more of our kind of a, a subscriber. Another little nugget for you guys that are going to be clinicians. Uh, if you want to be happy, learn how to attract people who are your type of patient, your ideal customer instead of trying to attract everybody. Absolutely. It'll make you, you know happy well. and it'll make them very happy. <laughs> you, you know as well as I do. You see some patients on your schedule and, and you say some choice words uh, under your breath. Uh, they're, just, they're not good fits for your practice and your personality. Uh, yep. You want to you pick people and services and, and employees um, who have a personality and, and a way to, uh, to complement what you want to say. Um, and, and that's probably one of the biggest parts about that implementation call is, is Kyro is not there um, to tell you what to do. It's there. It has some background information and all evidence-based stuff, but it's designed for you to put your stuff into. How do you want to educate your patients? How do you want to do their exercises? And then you plug it in there. And next time you select that protocol for tarsal tunnel syndrome, it has your exercise and your patient education. Uh, it just makes it simple for you. You nailed it, man. Um, I. I just can't, uh, I'm excited to meet you personally. I'm excited to hear what you've got to say personally. Do you have any other things coming up on the horizon? Any other conventions or, or things that you're confirmed for? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I do a lot of talking now. Um, I, I do a lot more for University of Bridgeport. I, I teach for their Diplomate Orthopedics program. Um, we've got, uh, I think Ohio's coming up, Wisconsin, Texas. Um, we're in Alaska, um, Illinois. And I think we just got down in Nevada. Um, so they're starting to bring the, the orthopedics program. I'm not, I'm not tied down to a certain program. I'm, I'm technically I'm an orthopedist, but um, I think whatever, you know, seminars you want to take, that's, that's great. They just seem to do a pretty good job of being evidence-based and, and getting that information out there. Um, but yeah, I'll be in, in all those states. And, and we have a calendar of events uh, that it's, that's on our site that you can also take a look at. Um, but whenever we go out and talk, it's not based on, this new great research is going to come out and here's the, um, all the, the tidbits of information. It's actually usable stuff that you can use on Monday. So when you see this, here's what you do. And uh, we go into it with an understanding that 
uh, everybody's great and the, the collective knowledge in the room is usually much greater than mine. Um, but having more of a conversation on how we would treat something and then talking with the, uh, the attendees and figuring out what they would do and then come up with a plan um, to say, you know what, these are all great ideas. Here's, here's what we would, uh, you know, uh, recommend for scapular dyskinesis and how it's going to fix a, you know, impingement syndrome of the shoulder. Um, so they're much more, uh, hands-on you know, ways of, of dealing with things, uh, not going into, um, you know, how to treat that with ART versus FDM versus DNS right. versus, you know, that, that's up to you. That's what you're great at. Uh, how do you apply those things in the patient care to make sure that we can uh, hopefully get those, those good patient outcomes? Well, I think there are, there are platforms, and this is a great platform for people to practice their art, if you want to call it that, or whatever technique. Uh, upon that platform and i think absolutely uh, sfma is another platform and there's plenty of platforms out there uh, but you still get to be you um and that's the biggest point because obviously in america that's the most important point is that you, get to be <laughs> you. <laughs> and profit while doing it that is chiropractic exactly uh, i'm gonna see you in two weeks um i have more questions for you you're 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 a different cat so I, I don't even think I scratched any sort of surface of tapping into the brain of Brandon Steele at this point. Um, so we'll have to do this a couple times until I break through that thick protective ice that you got going on there. <laughs> well, uh, you know, hopefully some more, there's gonna be some more comedy coming out in our content uh, with Cairo up. So you should see a little <laughs> more. Uh, you know, I, I'm much more of the, um, uh, the, uh, the personality, uh, versus, uh, you know, understanding that I have a company now. Um, so I'm, I'm a lot more aggressive and, um, um, you know, driven with a certain ideology, but I've really held a lot back, you know, being obviously a part of schools now and, and having a company. Um, but some of that's going to start to, to go through and, uh, hopefully see a little more of, you know, where we're going. Uh, I, I really, really want to commend you, Bobby. Uh, you know, I look at your podcast and I look at what you've done, you know, getting Stu McGill and Weingroff and, um, uh, you know, Winchester, like I said, is a, is a hero of mine, uh, all to, to get together and to do a podcast for you and to, to help students out in the way you are. Uh, it takes a lot of time. I don't think people even understand what it takes to run a Facebook group, but more or less a website, more or less. You got to run a, a seminar. I mean, I've worked with uh, Jessica Riddle before. She works her tail off, and, and you're doing that while you're in practice. So, uh, hats oh, yeah. off. Oh yeah, the, you have to. There are some things that are sort of there. There are some loose ends that need to be tied up on all of those things. Don't get me wrong, but it, <laughs> has, it has been a learning experience. Yeah. So hopefully, um, hopefully we can all agree, everybody listening to this, that that that, that Bobby doesn't go into some. Uh, Insane asylum after this convention is done and keep on doing it for the years to come. Sometimes I'm driving and then like the car will just sort of boo, boo, boo onto the side, onto the kind of like off the road a little bit, you know, cause I'm just thinking about yeah. stuff, how to do stuff better or, or uh, my wife will be talking and she'll be talking for like 20 minutes and I'll go, wait, what, what'd you say? I was thinking about name badges for, you know, or where the catering was going to go, or <laughs> what order should the TED Talk be in to be the most effective? Uh, sure. You know, are people going to be there at all in the morning? Or are they going to be too drunk in the evening? Who fits best in the middle? And it's just like, uh, and then I got to go to work. So yeah, I'm about to go to work and see patients in a couple of minutes. So uh, I appreciate the acknowledgement. I'll take it. I'll take it. Coming from you, that helps. Well, you deserve it, and uh, I look forward to seeing you in, uh, in two weeks. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, you got my email, my phone number. That, yes, sir. Thank you very much.
All right. We've stopped recording. Oh, excellent.